Hey, Hope family, welcome back to another week of Hope Dailies. We are closing in on VBS as it is only a two weeks away from today will be VBS. I want to encourage you to make sure your kids are registered, pre-K for the morning program, elementary for the evening program. You can do that on our website, hopechristianfellowship.org. Also, if you haven't already, sign up to help us out. We are still in need for crew leaders and snack helpers for both the AM and PM program. So if you're available for either or both, then let's sign up. Both of these jobs are great in that they are vital to make the week happen, but they don't require any prep on your part. So you can just show up and serve our little ones for what is going to be a great week at Treasured VBS. And again, those dates are July 26th through 30th. We are looking forward to all that God has in store for us that week. Today, we are in Romans 7, and I've titled this one, It Doesn't Have to Be This Way. And we'll get to Romans in a minute, but I'm reading this book right now called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. If you're into mystery novels, you should definitely pick this one up. Frankly, you should pick it up even if you aren't, because this book is great. I've been captivated from the very beginning. But the short non-spoiler synopsis is that our main character finds himself reliving the same day over and over again, and he has to solve a murder mystery in eight days or else he's doomed to live the loop for all eternity. As he progresses through the days, he's determined to change the events of the day. But he quickly quickly realizes that the harder he tries to change the events, the more he plays right into the events of the day. His best efforts to avoid certain circumstances are exactly what bring about those circumstances. Incredibly frustrating, and at some level, incredibly relatable. Have you been there before? Because I know I have. I'm determined not to do something, then where do I find myself but doing the exact thing I said I wasn't going to do? Our experience might sound a little something like Romans 7, 15 through 20. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, as it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now, aside from being a bit of a tongue twister and Paul tapping into his inner Dr. Seuss, Paul's words here, unfortunately, map onto our experience far too often. It can almost feel like an inevitability. Sure, there may be moments and even stretches of time where we can do all that we know we are supposed to do, but at some point, we are going to fall back into our old patterns of sin, no matter how much we don't want to, right? Well, I don't know. Here's where I'd like to say, it doesn't have to be this way. In fact, the way we read Paul's words as being descriptive of the Christian experience is, in my opinion, a wrong reading of what Paul is actually describing. Let's actually back up a few verses. In Romans 7, 5-6, Paul says, 
For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work within us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. And then we skip down a little bit to verses 9 through 11, where Paul says, Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So, in case you missed it, in verses 5 and 6, Paul is making a, disti a distinction that at one point we lived under the law, but now, dying to, once, to what once was, we've been released from the law. So we no longer live under the law. Then when we go to verse 9, he's gone back. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. He's talking about when he was under the law. And so when we get to verses 15 through 20 that we read at the beginning, Paul's talking about what life is like under the law. But as Christians, we are no longer under the law. We are now living under grace. So this is why I say that Paul's description mapping onto our experience is unfortunate. It's unfortunate because it doesn't have to be the inevitability that I think we've made it out to be. Living under the law puts us in the paradox, in the paradox Paul explains. But we aren't supposed to be living under the law. We are supposed to be living under grace. We can give up performing, as I talked about last week, give up our best efforts, and instead lean into the grace afforded us by Jesus Christ. Now, I say this not as someone who has perfected living into grace, but as someone who sees the truth Paul is pointing to in these chapters, and someone who believes in the good news of the gospel, that I have died to sin and am now alive in Christ. This means that Romans 7, 15 to 20 doesn't have to describe my life with Christ, and in fact, it shouldn't. Practically speaking, how do we avoid falling into that doing the things I don't want to do trap? One way is recognizing the freedom we have in Christ, marinating in Romans 6 that we have died to sin, realizing that in Romans 7, Paul is talking about what it's like under the law, but we are not under the law. But also, I think a practical step we can take is putting sin in its proper focus. God hates sin. We should hate it too. But for far too many Christians, sin, for the sake of avoiding it, becomes our focus. How does that work out for us? We just end up falling back into the patterns of sin. Imagine driving on a, on a highway. Do you focus on the trees on the side of the road so you don't hit them? No, you keep your eyes on where you are going. This is how we are to live spiritually as well. Certainly, if we have come to tolerate sin in our lives, we need to do the work to think about it as God does. But if we are truly living in Romans 7, 15 to 20, where we are doing the things we hate, then perhaps it's because that's where our attention is. If our goal as Christians is to avoid sin and only to avoid sin, well, we sin all the more because we have placed ourselves under the law. If we live our lives thinking, don't lie, don't lust, don't gossip, don't envy, etc., then of course our life's direction is going to veer right into the things we are trying to avoid. But 
If we live our lives transfixed on the beauty of Christ and the grace of the new life we've been given in Him, then we stand a chance of actually growing into a person who looks more and more like Christ. And that is the goal, after all, isn't it?